Hello, and welcome to Boss Talks, a weekly podcast where we chat with the bosses of the multifamily industry. Who are these bosses? They might be a manager of many, a leader with no title, or just passionate about what they do. Join our host, Evan Happel, Director of Marketing at Community Boss, as he talks with this week's guest. This is episode 16. I have a great guest today, Bridget Foley with Move for Hunger. And I'm excited to learn more, not only about her, but also the great organization she represents spreading the message of alleviating hunger amongst just people generally, but using multifamily as a great way to get more food to more people. So let's welcome Bridget to the show. Hey, Bridget. Hello, Evan. For everyone who's tuning in, my name is Bridget Foley. I am the Director of Multifamily Partnerships at Move for Hunger. We do work with multifamily people across the U.S., to collect food, move in, to move out throughout the year, and to bring that surplus food to local food banks. So I did meet Evan back in 2018. That was when we started. That's when I actually started my career. I was a career woman in the making at that point. So my first job, I did go to James Madison University. I studied health and policy, public policy while I was there. Go Dukes. Homecoming is coming up and I'm super pumped to see all the alum that are going down. So I went to JMU. I studied health and policy. I also studied a lot of nonprofit management and worked with a lot of different nonprofits, including the American Diabetes Association, as well as a camp up here in Sussex, New Jersey called Camp Najetta, which works with type one diabetic kids uh, over the summer to give them a wonderful experience, a normal quote unquote experience for type one diabetic kids. So it's, I've always been involved with nonprofit. I was a Girl Scout. I did a lot of philanthropy, a lot of volunteering in my youth into high school and college as well. I was in a sorority. So you got to get all that, you know, those points too, for being in a philanthropy, uh, being in a sorority as well. So we did a lot of local community work down in JMU. So I've always had that passion to give back as well as bringing that into my career as well. That was something that was really important for me to make sure that I had that sort of give back spirit. So I fell into multifamily. I feel like that's a constant thing, like a motto of the multifamily industry. Oh, I just fell into it. But I really did because when I looked up nonprofits in New Jersey and found Move for Hunger, I was not expecting to go into such a great, passionate industry that the multifamily industry is. We really started back in 2018, the program with only eight properties where I met you, Evan, out in Washington, out in Seattle. And we worked with the association out there. Thanks to Trisha and the team out there to really bring awareness to food insecurity and food waste, not just in Seattle, but as Washington as a whole. And within like about six months, we collected 1200 pounds of food within those six months that went all to Northwest Harvest. Obviously that was a success for the pilot and we really have not stopped. We went all the way through the West Coast, went made our way back East Coast. I am a Jersey girl. It's nice to have some like Jersey properties hanging out with us and giving back as well as some Pennsylvania, Delaware, like our my Northeast gang they represent. It's been nice. We do now work in all 50 states though. And that's really uh, was a huge help from Court Furniture Rental back in 2018, who really helped us expand our reach 
to all 50 states and all the markets. So we now work with over about 3,000 properties nationwide. And this year alone, we've collected 90,000 pounds of food. So wow. from eight properties with 1,200 pounds of food to 3,000 collecting 90,000 in five short years or really four and a half short years, it's really incredible to see that impact that not just my team has been able to make, but the people of the multifamily industry as well. So a little bit about me. <laughs> and our yeah. team as well. I think it's funny that you joined the cause by Googling nonprofits yeah. and pop-up move for hunger, which was just more of an idea at that point, basically. How many properties were, was there anything even happening yet? Or were you like ground floor? I really was, yeah, I was ground floor. I shout out Adam, our executive director, obviously, and Kelly DePino, who's, she's no longer with the company, but she really launched the she was a director of programming at the time for our mover side. So we had a huge following in the movers and the relocation and corporate housing. And we really started in 2009 with those industries. And from there, we were able to really take, not really reinvent the wheel, take what was going good and bring it over to multifamily. So those eight properties, when I came on, I was the person to not only try to expand, bring more properties on, also make sure that people are being engaged, making sure that people were getting their program materials and that was being sent out. At mm -hmm. the time we were in a small office, we had, I think, 10 people on the team. And I remember just always printing out program letters. We would send out a hundred to each of these properties and I would just sit at the printer. I was like the, the master of the printer at the time. We now use digital because it's a lot more sustainable that way. Hashtag recycling. But yeah, when they brought me on, I was the person to really expand the program. And then when we brought more people on, we were, or more properties on, we were able to bring more people on to really engage those properties and help out with the transportation as well. So right now we have one, two, three, four, five, six people that kind of lead the multifamily transport and engagement, including myself and my team member, Jennifer, as well. So really focusing on those partnership aspects. Okay. So do you guys actually have people in your different markets to collect food or is it a volunteer-based thing and work that way? So it is volunteer-based. We do have, I mentioned Court Furniture Rental. They're They've been integral in the expansion, but also just the continuation of the program, the sustainable, I guess, program as it is. We really will ask if we have maybe a pickup, somebody at, say, the Century out in Seattle, shout out the Century Pillar Properties. <laughs> so they'll come to us, say, hey, we have 10 bags of food. Can you schedule a pickup? My team will then talk to the court team out there, say, hey, we have 10 bags. Can you go and pick up the bags within 30 days? They, can, they usually say, yes, they have time and they'll go and they'll pick it up. And then they're the ones who bring it to the food banks. Sometimes if there is a property around here, like I'll go and pick up. I know we have some people, we are fully remote now. So we have people out, out in Denver. We have people out in Ohio, Florida, Texas, New York. Most of our team still is in New Jersey, but we have been expanding. Um, so sometimes we have some people go and pick up, but most of the time it is volunteer based on mainly on the supplier side. Yeah, that's great that you guys have people participating beyond just collecting some food at their property. What's typically the amount of food that you see wasted at any given property, like a, an average size property? What's normal? Yeah, I would say, I mean, 
the average right now nationwide in just a household, we do waste about 35% across the US. I believe it's like 18 billion tons or something. It's like an insane amount of food that's being just thrown out. Is that is um, that specifically during moving or it's just that's that... just like that's from harvest all the way to do to mm. your dinner plate and being able just just tossing and wasting food. On the move outside, I would have to actually look at that number. I think Adam Bianco probably knows that number. He's my fact checker. <laughs> so we know it's at least 90,000 that would have gone to garbage. Exactly. <laughs> I would say the average that our properties that we per that participate in our program they do collect about 250 pounds per property. And that's through move in to move out. And that's people who are just participating with us. So imagine if we had every single property like in the multifamily industry collecting times 250, that would be an insane amount of food that would go to the local communities, not just from Texas to Maine to Ohio. It would stay in that local area. That's cool. So do you guys still work with movers or is it strictly you're working with multifamily now? Yeah, so we do have a lot of movers that are more in our like secondary tertiary markets that we work in. They'll work with us there, at least on the multifamily side. Our movers also really do a ton of work with our bulk and fresh food programs, which have been piloted since 2020. Those were some new initiatives that we started then. So they'll work on that. They also do their own food drives. They do their own kind of local stuff. Like I said, we started this program back in 2009. Adam's family is a, they're a moving family as well. And if you go into a mover conference, everyone knows like move for hunger. And it's very different than like a multifamily conference where I'm still, I have my booth and I'm like, Hey, what's up guys? I'm Bridget. <laughs> and they're like, Oh, move for hunger. That's a great idea. Where I, I feel like on the mover side, they know about us. They're already doing it. That's part of their program. It's part of their business model from pitch to move out, to move in, move out. It's already been part of their programs for 10 years now. So it's a little bit different, but we do love our movers. Our movers on the multifamily side are really great and help pick up and do so much work for the multifamily side. That's cool. Yeah. I just can imagine there's so much, even more waste that's out there that, you know, isn't being captured yet, which is why anyone watching that is not participating with Move for Hunger should reach out to Bridget because she would be more than happy to give you all the information on how to get this set up, which I imagine is a pretty simple process overall. Instead of yeah. the garbage can, you put it somewhere where it can be used. Exactly. <laughs> Rather than putting it into a black garbage bag, you're putting it into a brown recyclable collection bag that we will then take for you. And what's nice about it is like, it truly takes away the the one issue that people always that challenge of, oh, I want to do good. Oh, mm. I want to go to the food bank and drop off my stuff. I'm going to go to Goodwill and I'm going to go drop off my clothes or United Way. And then you never do it. <laughs> so we're taking that like guilt off almost, I would say, and saying, okay, we're going to do this for you and you're going to be able to help some people. This is the number one thing that food banks, it's the number one challenge that they see when people are moving, bringing food in. So we, we are the different, that's our differentiator there, that we have that logistics network of over 1100 movers and supplier partners that are willing to assist in that portion there. Gotcha. And so when somebody moves out, do you guys say, hey, give that person a bag or do they wait until they move out and during cleanup, they put food in bags? So it depends on how the process is already in place at each property. We don't want to add more work. We're not here to do that. We're here to make it 
easy, simple, and already part of your process. So most of the time though, our properties will put some sort of the pro that program letter either in a printable folder if you're old school or attach it as a PDF if you're super high tech doing some sort of push notification or text message saying, hey, when you're moving in or when you're moving out, make sure to bring your food to the leasing office or the maintenance office or management office, whatever you want as your central location. And we do a few reminders throughout that. A lot of our properties that we work with will have a few reminders prior to move out or even prior to move in when people want to do that as an option, as a, as a benefit for people who are moving into the property. So as long as it's at a central location there, that's all that matters. We do have some property managers too, especially during COVID, like during the beginning of COVID in 2020, that were just saying, you know what, leave it in the unit, we'll pick it up, we'll clean it out after. We still provided them the bags. When you sign up, you get unlimited amounts. So we just send them out pretty much almost, we send them three, at least three times out a year to each property. And so you have enough bags <laughs> to make sure that all, yeah. all of the pickup is there. The food that needs to be picked up is in those bags. But yeah, sometimes they'll just leave it in. But I would say most of the time it's on the property. I mean, on the actual resident to bring the food to like the property manager and drop off their keys or drop off whatever last minute things that they might need signed. Yeah, no, that's good. Yeah, I've become well aware of all the waste just from what I've experienced. And those are just few instances, I'm sure every property manager is even more well aware of how much gets thrown out. So many things get left behind when people move, especially if they're going across country or whatever. So they end up leaving their food because they're like, well, I'm not going to take it with me. So I see so many photos. If I go to some of these regional trade shows, the property managers who we either work with or I've known for a few years now, they come up to me and they're like, look at what I just had to deal with. And it's like bikes, furniture, food, it's just all there. And unfortunately, we don't work with furniture, clothes and things like that. But we usually do have really great connections within local industry, like partners in those areas. So we'll make the connection and we'll make sure that it's a little bit easier on you guys. But so we only really focus with non perishables right now. Got it. Yeah. But maybe the future, who knows, when who you knows? guys blow up even more. Exactly. And then your guys current funding are you funded and how can help how can people help with that yeah so most of our funding does come through like grants corporate sponsorships partnerships things like that we do ask for all of our properties that sign on for we do ask for a 250 dollars annual donation and that's just one time from the calendar year so you just sign on and we'll send out the bags we'll do a training we'll make sure everybody's um up in our systems so that we, when you guys collect food, you'll make sure like it's actually being integrated into our system so that we can do some reporting and send out that data. And once that's all kind of set up, it's, we'll work with you on a strategy, doing a quarterly food drive, things like that. But yeah, that's that portion. Then of course we do have individual donors. We do have sustaining donors as well. We do have a team move for hunger, uh, which is our running and walking marathoning kind of team. I am none of those things, so you will not see me doing that. But I'm very happy that we do have some people. I think we have nine participants this year. We actually have our first time. We have some bids in the New York Marathon, which is amazing. Some big moves on the Team Move for Hunger side. And of course, yeah, like our year end, a lot of year end giving. A lot of people like to give at the end of the year from an individual donor's perspective. Nice. And yeah. if anybody watching or future watching wants to give, I'm sure they would more than 
be just yeah. happy to take the donations. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. And so you can go on moveforhunger.org slash donate if you want to donate. I know we were giving out t- these fun t-shirts. I don't know if you guys can see it. It says fight hunger. We were giving those out during hunger action month in September for every $50 donation. So usually we have some sort of cool thing going on, but cool. Thanks for sharing about all that. So I'd like to kind of transition and talk a little bit more just about you. And I know you shared a little bit about your background and how you got into what you're doing. Being that you started at a nonprofit, straight out of college, ground floor, like what's that been like for you personally, professionally, the learnings that you've gone through in that whole process? I have learned so much. And I really do thank the senior leadership team for allowing the space to develop not just the program, but myself as a professional as well, being able to take risks and to say, you know what, we're going to go to this event, we're going to do XYZ thing, or let's be creative with this sponsor or this property. And we're going to do a social media campaign for this thing. This sounds fun. Being able to take those risks and be really creative, I think has been super helpful, not just to my own development, but also my professional development as well. I've been around the longest on the multifamily side. So it's been nice to have that like knowledge in the back of my head as well and be able to make wonderful friendships on the multifamily in the multifamily industry. Not only be, now being able to do keynotes and podcasts, develop relationships in that regard as well and work with public speaking and writing as well. That's been really great. We've been able to take a lot of really cool and interesting ways to engage not just our properties, but people that have already been working with us, like our relocation and mover program participants as well, being able to bring them into a new fresh idea and bringing them into um, new markets that may, they may not have been able to work in. So I guess long answer short has been, it's been really nice to just let my wings fly and just let it go and just have some fun and be able to develop my own personal hand in that way. No, that's cool. Yeah, because to be able to do that right out of college, is, that's pretty unique. Most people don't have yeah. that kind of opportunity. So it's cool that you were able to jump in and just take risks, try new things that don't mm-hmm. work, try something else. That's the way it goes in business and everything. So yeah, uh, that's really a great experience that you've had. I'm very grateful for the team that we've had. Is there any other people that have been influential in kind of you developing and even things you've maybe taken like classes or anything like that? Yeah. So I'll do two, I'll do a two prong approach to this question. All right. <laughs> I would say to the the classes and certifications and things like that, obviously going through all these trade shows and conferences, you learn so much just not only on the trade show floor, but obviously going through the education sessions, learning about the multifamily industry. That was like I had no experience in this industry going to those things. I was able to learn through trends and industry, things like that. I also did get the opportunity in 2020 to actually go to NYU for their executive certificate program over there for corporate social responsibility, being able to learn through sustainability, CSR, what that means as a business. I got to meet so many really cool people through that as well. Like literally people from 
Sweden and Mexico. It was like really cool to meet different people that otherwise I would not have been able to meet, especially during 2020 <laughs> with all the COVID and pandemic kind of precautions there. So that was, that's been really cool being able to expand my knowledge in a different business sense. And I do want to shout out some people that have been able to, I think, develop, help me develop and, and in my own confidence and just as a person, as a woman, I think in leadership as well. That was our three, actually my old Kelly, a shout out to Kelly DePino and Megan Longo and Ch Margot Chinchat, because they've really been able to, if I had a problem, if I had a question, like, does this make sense? Am I, do I sound mean? <laughs> Which I think is something a lot of women deal with in the workplace. Do, does this email have too many exclamation points or too many smiley faces? Like going to them and being like, Hey, can, can you help me out with this situation? And also being advocates for my really push myself in those ways. I, it's really good to have a support system of as a young per, woman professional, it's nice to have those kind of other women supporting you and lifting you up as well. So I think those are two, that's my little two prong approach, learning, but also learning from people as well in the workplace. Yeah, that's great. You've had those people. And I think you're right. I think honestly, woman or not like being young in business it can be really daunting to especially get into oh, yeah. a position where you're speaking in front of people with authority thinking hey i have so much to say and you should listen to me yeah it, <laughs> that, that be... was like one of the biggest things that i had to get over yeah. and it, we talked about it in a we actually did an internal webinar about just being a woman in the workplace for we did it for women's equality day and yeah. we had our board member, Cindy Claire, on to just talk about all this kind of stuff. And it was just like a, a lot about imposter syndrome. And that I think that's mm -hmm. something that a lot of young people, including myself, but you kind of have to think you're the expert and be like, no, this is my mentality. I am the expert. I know what I'm doing and you're yeah. going to listen to me. And that was something I had to learn <laughs> throughout going through these trade shows and talking to the C-suite, talking to executives as a coordinator, fresh out of college, fresh faced. I didn't yeah. go into the first trade show. I didn't even have my pitch correct. Adam would actually come into the office and be like, what's your pitch? And I'd be like, we are move for hunger and we do things. And he'd be like, work on that, please. And I was like, okay. <laughs> I, was like, I got it to work. Obviously I'm here still five years later. Yeah. But yeah, it was definitely having those kind of conversations and having that confidence is definitely something I've had to yeah. work on and still have, yeah. will have to work on. Speaking of imposter syndrome, I actually hear that a lot. It seems to be coming up a lot, that whole idea or topic. Um, actually, if you could even, in your own words, explain what that is, because there's probably a lot of people that hear it, don't know what that means. And like, mm -hmm. what does that mean in business and such? Yeah. Now, even though I said I was an expert and everything, I'm definitely not an expert on definitions. Sure. So in that's my okay. Own words, that's why it's in your own words. It's in all good. my own words, in my own experience, it's definitely being it's that like guilt or needing that reassurance like, oh, do I know my job? Do I mm. am I actually supposed to be in this room where people are having these conversations? Like it's a it's almost like a confidence issue. That's really where I think it lies at the end of the day. It definitely is something that I think a lot of young professionals deal with. Even just I think maybe just throughout, I think every professional deals with it. You go into a room and you get that right. anxiety going into a business meeting and is it gonna go well? Am I gonna be able to make this deal? So I think everyone deals with it. And I, the more you th know that everyone deals with it, 
and that we're all just kind of here to hang out and and make some deals and hang out, Uh, take a little bit more of a laid back approach. That's helped me in a lot of my imposter syndrome, at least. Yeah. Yeah. I think it is natural for people to feel that way for sure. But it's always interesting to come across the people that don't seem to have any of that issue. And like, how is that? Why are you just confident in what you're doing? Yeah. Yeah. I get that. I do get that a lot. Some of our, some of the people we've just been talking internally about it and they're like, I would never have thought that you had that issue. I'm like, Oh girl, (laughs) wait until you see my pre-show. Like I have my seven different things going on before I even got on a call. So like you, you figure out the way to feel confident in yourself. And I think the more people see other people as just like, what we are just people it's a lot easier to get over that and bring that confidence back into your own space and get over that imposter syndrome i'm glad that you've continued to work through that because i don't think you're an imposter i think at this point you can call yourself a boss the boss of move for hunger yeah do i get the cool necklace now oh i will send you a necklace perfect 100 <laughs> yes i will if you don't know I work for a company called Community Boss. We embrace our boss brand to the full extent. We have boss necklaces, all the things. So if you find yourself being a boss and you are feeling left out in not having a boss necklace, let me know, direct contact me, and I will gladly get you a boss necklace. I can't wait for mine. I Every single time I see those, I'm like, I need to get one of those. <laughs> Oh man, I should have gotten you one at NAA when I saw you. I'm so sorry. It's okay. <laughs> it looks like maybe Vanessa's maybe not on anymore. So I'm just going to go ahead and ask her question. She would just really like to know if there's any repeat challenges that you faced day to day and how you overcome them. That's a great question. We just were talking about it. I think honestly, and this is me being fully transparent, vulnerable, I think is very important in these kind of conversations. Especially, I think NAA does a mental health awareness week. I know that's in May, but they do, they have a lot of really great conversations around this, but definitely like anxiety, not just in public speaking, but just in general, anxiety is a huge thing that I personally challenge with. And I think it's something that you have to, you learn your own kind of rhythm to get into. I know we talked a little bit about it internally as well, where, you know, your pre-show like space. Okay. Let me close the door. The dogs are outside. Okay, great. I have my ring light on. I have my water. What's going to make me comfortable so that I'm not just like tapping my finger on the table every single five seconds. I think that's something that like I personally struggle with. You can maybe see it sometimes in, in some conversations, but professionally or like with, I guess, move for hunger side, the only challenge communication, I feel like Every property management company has a different communication base, whether it be, we like to have our property managers only talk through text message or through phone or through email. And I think figuring that out has been a way of figuring out, not just myself, but with Jennifer as well on my team, who likes, which is like the communication side that this person likes to, to learn from. I have a bunch of multifamily people in my contact list that I'll just shoot them a text message or I'll shoot them something and be like, Hey, X, Y, Z, can we meet up for this? Great. There's some people that like really in-depth emails. So you learn through that. But I think that from like a 
move for hunger side, that would be a big challenge that we see. And then per professionally, personally, definitely like that anxiety that again, that imposter syndrome of like, just making sure that you're confident in those different calls that you're going into. Right. That was a really great question. That made <laughs> Thanks me for asking Vanessa. She's here. She said, I'm here. Hi, so Vanessa. yeah. Thank you for answering it. First of all. Yeah. So I like to wrap up with three questions. Rapid fire. That's right. So <laughs> we are community boss. And although our solution is about physical space and helping manage things like parking and amenities, we are based around the idea of community. So for you personally, how do you like to build community either in your professional or personal life? Professionally, I am super involved with some of the local associations. So the Pennsylvania Apartment Association, even though I live in New Jersey, is has been a huge community source for just networking, making new friends, making new industry partners, give, also giving me the space to have opportunities to talk to people on stage has been really great. So I, I would say joining those associations and really networking within them have helped me out professionally as a community sense. Personally, I do having like, I guess, alumni kind of conversations, but from JMU, from my sorority, I was a Delta Gamma. So I do a lot of work with my Delta Gamma sisters. I was involved with some of the local churches here prior to COVID with singing, with the church choir. So being able to do those things, as well as volunteer. I've been doing a lot of work with the Clean Ocean Action uh, Guild Association out here in over by Sandy Hook, New Jersey, doing beach cleanups, beach sweeps, things like that. So that's a little bit of what I do in my spare time when I'm not traveling yeah. all over the world. Thanks for sharing. I'm glad you're able to engage in those different ways. That's really great. If you were to have somebody over for dinner, what would you make for them? I make some really good tacos. All right. I So I guess, Evan, you got to come all the way out to New Jersey for some tacos. Heck yeah. <laughs> I like a taco. <laughs> Great. Awesome. Oh, and margaritas. We have to have the margaritas there too. Oh, tacos and margaritas go hand in yeah. hand. Yes, yeah. So it's a connection. It's a partnership. Yeah. Yes, I agree. And then finally, we are Seattle based here at Community Boss. So it wouldn't be appropriate to not mention or not ask what's your favorite coffee drink oh that's a good question because it really depends on which day and how i'm feeling because it's, i am a huge it's coffee fall nerd. now it's fall now so. i'm not a pumpkin spice girl okay um, right. i am an right. iced coffee girl through and through i do love a good iced americano with a splash of oat milk um and so that's my go-to or I just go to like Dunkin' and get like an iced coffee with caramel because I'm basic. So you like the really good coffee, but sometimes it's just Dunkin'. Yeah, sometimes you just need like something in you okay. <laughs> to wake you up. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. We don't have Dunkin' out here. So I think it's been outlawed, actually. That um, would make sense. Yeah. Yeah. I <laughs> think a, there's a like law a law in Seattle. There is a law. Starbucks is probably lobbied in some way and it's not allowed. <laughs> I could totally see that. Thank you for sharing. And for all that you that were watching, I really appreciate it. Every Wednesday we do this. We talk to a boss. We learn about why they're awesome, just like Bridget. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Boss Talks podcast. If you would like to be a guest on the show, please reach out via email at info at communityboss.com. 
If you enjoyed the show, be sure to like, share, and follow us on your favorite podcast platform. You can also watch the podcast live every Wednesday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on the Community Boss LinkedIn or Facebook pages. Until next time, manage like a boss.